hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. What are you waiting for, Sai? Just touch these two strands together and the podcast is released. Have I that right? To release the hamster? You can't doubt it. Well, I do. You see, some things could be better without the hamster. Many future worlds will become allies just because of their fear of the smut. It isn't like that. Well, the final responsibility is mine. And mine alone. You see, if someone who knew the future pointed out a Geordie to you and told you that that Geordie would say the most utterly ridiculous things, things that would irritate millions of lives, could you then release that idiot? Look, we're talking about The Hamster, the most entertaining and welcoming podcast ever invented. You must release it. You must complete your mission for the ham fam. Do I have the right? Simply... Touch one against the other, and that's it. The hamster is out. Hundreds of millions of people, thousands of generations can live without smut and in laughter and learn to love the words, stop it. (laughs) Then why wait? If it was season B of Maximum Power you were eventually releasing, you wouldn't even hesitate. But if I release a whole six-part commentary, then I'd become like them. I'd be more prolific than Joe. Think of all the suffering there'll be if you don't do it. There you are, Si. It's over. Joe has agreed to our terms. He's demanded a Twitter poll, but it's a formality. He's agreed to no more smut, no more brigadiers. Oh, and then you can do Terminus. Oh, bugger that. Get down, everybody! Oh my god, I never knew we were such good actors. Neither did anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scripting. if you don't, you should all be going and listening to the Planet Scarlet audios where Simon Hart has starring roles and several of them, as well as writing, producing, script editing, generally being fantastic all the way through. Yeah, you say that, Pat. You wait till Brendan turns up. <laughs> the script in there was by Mr. Fraser Gregory, by the way. You absolute genius. Mm-hmm. So, gentlemen, that is the big question. Are you a genius? Do we have the right? To what? Right for our right to party? (laughs) (laughs) Do we have the right to finish this commentary? I think we do. Well, I think we probably ought to. We've got this far. I want to fucking get a bit tonight. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, will someone count us in? I know, I'm getting straight to the well, point this time. Well, we've got a lot to in. say at the end. We've yeah, got five. a lot to say at the end. We do. So, in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, sorry, That's the wrong, wrong story. story. <laughs> wrong story. It's, it's this, isn't it? Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. I think it actually goes do, do, do. I am perfectly convinced that some of Dudley Simpson's most fabulously bombastic music is in this episode. Well, it's, it is one of his very best scores, as I said right at the beginning. He Whoa. is keeping this story going 
and he is i think this is one of the most perfect doctor who incidental music scores there is he is just on again it's that alchemy of everything coming together from the music so you've got this this music here which is really selling this music as much as tom is and it's adding to the drama of this this scene here so there's it feels jeopardy and it's it's really brilliant the music yeah. when the Daleks are coming down the corridor at the end like to kill the song yeah. mm -hmm. it's, it's like unrelenting and yeah, it's like rising the Daleks. and rising and rising uh -huh. you know it's like horror movie music it's yes brilliant. so what are you gonna say i've got a question for you two then okay mm. this scene now the doctor questions morality about destroying the daleks and sarah jane trying to talk them into it is this better than the doctor and davros discussing the virus in the vial or is that the better scene of the two I think this is this one. I think I don't know if it's because it's it's the doctor's choice. It's because that and that's the this is the crux of the story. The Doctor Davros exchange isn't. This is the doctor's decision that he's got to make, and I think that's what makes this scene. And I think Elizabeth Sladen is. You see, Ian Masters does nothing here. It's the Doctor and Sarah. Yeah. And I think this defines... Beat for beat, she matches get. him, doesn't she? Yes. She is terrific here. And it's just the two of them. And then you can see, again, I think that maybe is what influences, and they think, oh, hang on, we've got something here. This is just what, the two of them. This is what Barry Letts wanted. He said to like he cast Elizabeth Slade and he cast Tom Baker. And basically he's the one that is responsible for this story being written as yeah. well. When he said go back and write it again. And uh I think this just goes to show how savvy he was with casting his regulars because they are yeah. brilliant. Here. Do you know, we don't it's very, very rare at this point in the series uh to be this introspective of the doctor and to question what's going on in his head and his role in the story. Normally, he's the hero, and and he just goes and for it, you know? It's different to Pertwee, where Pertwee would have been so resolute, I think, and so sure of himself that he wouldn't have stopped to have that conversation. Do you remember Planet of the, da uh, Planet of the Spiders, sorry, where in the very last episode, and it's he's talking about his greed for knowledge and all of that and that felt so refreshing because there hadn't really been any great exploration no. of Pertwee's character had there throughout that run and this is more of the same but this is just better scripted I'll say better acted as well I think um, you know again going back to episode 4 you know you have that introspective moment of the Doctor I've sent Harry into them and Tearing Sarah into that Holocaust and just being crushed by that. That's another example of, of us being really, you know, introspective of the Doctor. You know, um, I think if that had been Pertwee, again, you know, going back to the predecessor, you know, that would have been a very sort of like, how do you think I feel? I sent them into that. It would have been played very differently, mm. wouldn't it? But I think, you know, this, that scene works purely because of Tom Baker. He looks agonised by that decision and just holding those wires he's, still he's, in front of his he's face. He's agonised by how to play the scene as well. Yeah. Um, 
you know, behind the scenes, you know, he was really chewed up about how he was going to play that and should I play it this way, that way? And, you know, he really um, chewed himself up and that a lot of that comes across the screen. Um, direction as well has got to play a part because it is just two wires in Tom Baker's face. Yeah. And but that's the, the way, thing. It's such the, a complex, a complex thing he's talking about. Yeah. It's such a simple visual. And simple, I often think thing. dramas at its best when you boil it down really simply like that. Yeah. Like kids and can he understand. Spells it out, two wires, say, he spells they? it out for the kids. Yeah. Touch one wire against the other and the Daleks are finished. But, but also, like in the new series, they made a conscious choice to from the start to examine the doctor's role. In these adventures, but this just wasn't done in the classic series. Not no, and I think that's extent. why this stands out, isn't it? Yeah, I think it stands out as well because you know we we can forget how dark Tom Baker's Doctor was. Um, we've had a scene where he's turned off Davros's life support. Um, you know, season thirteen comes on long where he's knocking people out left, right, and centre. Yeah, you know, season fourteen comes along where he turns into Rambo for an episode of, of Deadly Assassin. You know, he's got a, a especially with Hinchcliffe. You know, he's got yeah. a very sort of um, that scene in Pyramids where where he just rolls over the dead body and goes, "Well, I told yeah. him I shouldn't have been upset by his brother." You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's as dark as Capaldi in yeah. the Dalek. Absolutely. Um, so. So where's I going with that? Well, do you know what's also interesting about the whole speech is I'd never considered until that point that some things could be better with the Daleks. And that is yes. such an interesting idea. That's where I was going. It's, you know, because this is a rare moment, actually, of, of seeing the fourth Doctor's morality played out. Mm. So specifically, you know, look at, um, if you flash forward to Nightmare of Eden, where we'll have Trask, Trask, Trisk? Trist. Trist. Trist being taken away, you know, and the doctor is just, you know, looking mm -hmm. off camera, go away, you know, condemning them with, with words like that. You know, there's a sense of it there, but we don't really get much more of a sense of his morality other than this scene here. No, other than sometimes telling Leela off for using her knife. Yeah. No. Oh. Don't kill people. But what, so the script originally was just going to have him, what, just touch them together and say, well, that's done. Right, what, what, what no, 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 I don't think no. he would ever have done it. No, I think, again, that is that. It was a, a quick moment, moment of, yeah. It was just like, a, oh, you know, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than an actual discussion, you know, and a consideration mm -hmm. of what was at stake. Although, like, is it a bit of a cop out that then someone comes in and goes, well, you know, we've defeated Davros. So well, of course it is, because it's Doctor Who, isn't it? I mean, it's always... And again, it's another sort of chance where, again, they think they're going to get the better of Davros and stop this without having to make the big decision that but events are conspiring against the Doctor to bring him back to this decision and he does have to go back and destroy the incubation room and he does do it. He goes back, doesn't he, with every intention of doing it and then the Dalek... Yeah, the Dalek oh, goes over the wire. So the Dalek effectively does what he would do. So, But then I but, don't understand and that doesn't wipe them out though, does it? No, well... No. So is, that, is that a problem? It's... Event essentially, you know, we come in at the story and we think 
the, the, we're given a very simple mission statement at the start. In episode one, it's, you know, stop the Daleks, go back in time, either stop them developing, find a weakness, um, or, you know, change the development so that they are not... Less aggressive creatures, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like pure evil sort of thing. Okay, so we know that coming out of this story, either the Doctor succeeds and, you know, the most, you know, fundamentally popular race in the whole of Doctor Who ceases to be and we don't have Daleks anymore or the status quo is going to be maintained at the end of episode six. And what he does, he delays it, doesn't he, rather than... So we get to episode six, we get to the end, so what are we going to do? Because if we maintain the status quo, the Doctor hasn't won, but the Doctor needs to win because the Doctor is the hero it's doctor who he needs to win at the end of every story so how do we you know balance that knowing that we can have daleks in the future who are evil but still having the doctor win so we come up with a bit of a compromise and we You're say saying well, it's a fair, yeah it's a fair compromise and i think there's some you know sections of fandom who've looked a lot into this and said well essentially you know the doctor does a bit more than just any of them by like a thousand years, if you compare the Daleks before the story, um, who are capable of taking over planet Earth and almost drilling out its core, um, who are, you know, amassing, you know, 10,000 miniature Daleks in a nice planet in spirit and that sort of thing, to what we're then presented with um, in terms of, you know, Daleks who can't beat the Mabellans because the fight was standstill and need Davros and or a lot more and then start fighting each other there's like dalek civil wars and that sort of jazz there's a school of thought of the doctor's actually succeeded a lot more than just setting them back he's actually you know affected them by whatever he's done sort of like butterfly effect sort of ways and made them a lot more um rubbish than they were beforehand and it's interesting, isn't it? Because if this was the new series, that would form the basis of a long story arc yeah. about how the Doctor had, and they would go and investigate how that happens. But here, because Philip Hinchcliffe isn't has done a Dalek story, he's not interested in doing another one. Him and Bob Holmes are not yeah. interested in the Daleks. So interesting. By the time uh, it's, it is a story arc that comes from this. It isn't the Daleks. Yeah, Davros, that, it, it? yeah it's almost, yeah. yeah, it becomes Davros's story arc because he's so popular that they've got to bring yeah. him back. But they don't investigate what happens to the Dalek timeline. And I think if you were doing that in 2022, I just had to look what year it was. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I was very into my argument there. Um, that would that would form seasons worth of stories because it would have such an effect it would affect have ripples out through the whole yeah. doctor who timeline it would change so well, much to be and that fair would be fascinating to see is it it's it's a fact that rusty davis says that this that's was the start of the, the time, war. Of yeah. The time yeah. war yeah so this does essentially kickstart an arc that has oh. far-reaching consequences yes mm-hmm. really interesting so we're in a safe in Davros's laboratory, which is too high for Davros to reach. Yes. And I've got another question for you two guys. Okay. Because I want to come back to the How man. about this? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. Dalek gun. But um, mm. coming back to Harry Sullivan, I know we've discussed a little bit about Harry and his 
contribution to the story. Um, I like Harry. I love Harry. I think yeah. Harry's great. Yeah, me too. You know, um, it's it's sad that they thought after this that well actually I would... think there was so much more they could have done with yeah. the three of them. I think okay. it would have been really good for he the show. Need to just be the action man, did he? Yeah. That was the yeah. idea. And I think he it's lots in this story. He's I not think... just the comic relief either. No, no. He's, no. He has proper interesting conversations with the doctor. They're paid off a lot. He does. Um so the question really is Ian Martyr, would you say that Ian Martyr's greatest contribution to Doctor Who was the character of Harry Sullivan, or is it the work that he did with the target range? Oh <laughs> I've oh. I've probably I, I think the he books. Was, yeah, I think he was a terrific writer. I think his books really captured the imagination of of a generation because he were we always knew if you were picking up one of his books it was going to be gruesome and wonderful <laughs> he wasn't and he, afraid and he put to... a swear word in it <gasps> he wasn't afraid to deviate from what was on screen so terrence dix said he really wanted to put on paper what you saw on screen so it's very faithful whereas ian marto was happy to like uh liz Sladen says that he phoned her up one day and said oh we've got a scene here where you don't really do much should i write you up a bit and she goes yeah <laughs> go for it you know, but he also his prose, I think, is probably the best prose pre the McCoy novels that we got. Yeah, it's probably he really went for like and Malcolm Hulk, probably uh, in sort of complexity levels. But uh, just like in terms of like setting a scene, he he really yeah, he went for like the five that. senses and put you in a scene in a really mm -hmm. effective way. Can I, I have seen him novelize this? Can I swear for a second? Yes. Because, oh my God, how fucking great are these fucking Daleks in episode yeah. six of Genesis of the Daleks? Here we go. You We're going to get some great exterminations, though. I don't think we've even seen them at their best. When they're lit coming down those corridors in a minute, mm -hmm. they just look extraordinary. <gasps> oh, go, oh, Garmin! Garmin! That gleam in Nida's eye. Yeah, that's the only other time he almost smiles. Do you know what? Oh my God, Fraser, I've got a reading on NIDA. Yeah. Well, so Davros said to Car Carvel? Carvel, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, I kept your heart going. You're going to turn your heart against me. Carvel nearly got away then, but NIDA grabbed hold of him and threw him back to get killed. back. No one else is going to have Davros's affection for <laughs> me. And you're going to die. Mm -hmm. There you go. Just go back to Ian Marta. He's like, He's very like Elizabeth Sladen in some ways, in that if he's not got anything to do in the scene, he's still doing something in the background. He is listening. He's watching them. He is paying attention to what's going on. And that elevates what he's doing. He could just be the spare part, but he's not. He's still engaged with what's happening around him. And his reactions sell as much as, as what... Elizabeth Sladen and Tom Baker are talking about. What you've got with the three of them is you've got three characters that work beautifully when they're together. The chemistry is incredible. But like you, Sarah in this with all the gantry scenes, Harry in Sontana Experiment where he's wandering about trying to solve things, and the doctor, like they can all absolutely hold the screen on their own as well. Yes, and they can be paired off in different ways. So the doc, um, the doctor and Harry, the doctor and Sarah, Sarah and Harry. Yeah, all work. Oh, Sarah, in combination. That's the they're best of Revenge of the Cybermen, isn't it? Yeah, when they're down on Voga. You stop going on about the 
gold, Harry, while we just sit here glittering. <laughs> They're great. Oh, here we go. So the bomb's going to go off, and they're all going to be um, holding down there. And we get about four versions <laughs> of this scene where she holds off from uh, plunging down the detonator. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, here he is. He's dressed up again, look. Yeah. yeah and that cool. was that co that coat and hat was left in, in the Khalid city. It didn't even come down to the bunker. I think it was quite dirty as well, you know. They've had it washed for him, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a laundrette on Scarrow. Poor Severin, he hasn't done anything really, has he, in the last couple of episodes? No. But then the focus has all been Davros. Mm-hmm. So, so now Davros, like he he thinks that you know he's in command of his own tiny, it's six people, whatever it is, little empire, and that well, he's it's, you know, it's six now because he's killed all the rest of them. Yes. So the bit and he's just gonna go on. Best ever sting in the tails comes up now, and Absolutely. it's it, superb. That, it's I mean, almost like such a foregone conclusion because the one thing about the Daleks is is their you know dislike it's, for the other, and exactly he's programmed in to them the one thing that is going to lead to his downfall, and, and it's beautiful. It's poetic line. justice. The best line is when he goes, A pity! A pity. <laughs> yes. I have no understanding of that word. It is not in my vocabulary bank. Because he said didn't mercy. Put it there. Sorry, uh, like Peter Capaldi taught him. Should have said mercy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a wonderful, wonderful scene. Oh, here we go. I, you guys are going to have to talk because I'm going to want to watch this. Mm -hmm. Wait a and okay, uh, I'm going to give some props to the other actor in this scene that we haven't really mentioned it's Roy Skelton who does brilliant oh, with Dalek, the voice. Dalek voices yeah. in this story and he's my favourite Dalek actor I know he becomes a bit more zippy later on it's not much zippy think, in that's this really movie, unfair then. to be honest I, I'm not sure that's absolutely right I think he's he's absolutely superb he's so good here he does the big Dalek rant at the end of the story which is is great he knows exactly how to pitch this. Do you know, I think you can you can see the difference in Maloney's direction from Planet of Daleks to this, just in yeah. the two rants the Daleks have at the end. Because in Planet yeah, of the Daleks, really. he just sort of goes, we will never be defeated. We will mm -hmm. be back. And in this, it's like, we will go on. We will. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you... We've just had Nida's death there. Do you like the fact that everyone else gets a really big over-the-top... Dalek death and neither doesn't scream. Well, he was. Yeah, Do you think, think that's think, a character thing? I think Peter Miles makes the most of it. Um, but what I like about it is just it's such an inconsequential death. Yes. It's, you know, it's. Yeah, whereas Garmin's death and Ronson's death are played huge. They're yeah. turning points. It's just like, neither turn that off and he's zapped. You know, there's not. It's, it's like Tasha Yar. In, but you know, I feel like it has Trek. to happen because Davros always had to be the last man. It has to happen, yeah. but you know what you would expect is sort of like Nida to throw himself in front of Davros. And oh, so you mean himself. like a, a grandstanding moment? Yeah, that's what you kind of expect, but it's just such a casual, great villain downfall. Yeah, it's it's just not telegraphed at all. It's just go press that button and then zap, mm -hmm. and you know, throw it. And he makes it like I said that the slide down the 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 pillar um perfect isn't it his tongue out is 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 class um 
than the Mjolnir. But I think, do you know what, like, given that he's gone to such extremes to have the Daleks created in this, the fact then that he makes a decision to try and press that button in, like, desperation at the end, that yeah. is just the most interesting moment in this whole story, that he's like, oh, shit, no, I have gone too far. <laughs> like, yeah. Or is it just, no, this is the only way I'm going to survive? It's the only way I'm going to survive, but I think it's more like, well, you little shit. Come on, then. I'll show you, yeah. I'll show you, I. Uh, who's the daddy, basically, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, respect my authority. It's just so great that the Daleks are just taking control. And this is what you've been waiting. It's like Power of the Daleks, isn't it? The audience has been waiting for this because they know it's coming. You know and what, it's this just, is, It this makes is, you wait. This is Doctor Who's Blake. This is yeah. as, as bold yeah. and as dark and as cynical. Uh -huh. As Blake, we obey no one. We are the, which is exactly what he's been telling exactly, them they are yes. all the way through. That's what he's designed them to be and programmed yeah. them to be. And, and finally, what's fascinating is you don't see Davros exterminated. You just see the screen go white. You don't see. Well, he's not, is he? No. Um, and it's his disability that because literally he had enough time to press that button. Yeah. If he could just push, push his arm down yeah. really fast. He couldn't get there. Yeah. He couldn't get there in time. And a great big close-up of a Dalek. <laughs> I mean, what more do you want? Of the universe! Okay, well, I've got a question for you on the back of that. I've been sitting on this one. Um, I'm waiting for this moment. Because that is the most spectacular end that Davros ever could have had. Yeah. So, should... Davros have been a one-shot character. Yes. It's really difficult, isn't it? Oh, because... <laughs> okay, well, one said yes, and one said it's very difficult. You know, I... Yeah, he would have been a great one-shot character, but he wouldn't have... I don't know if he'd have become the... the great Doctor Who villain if he hadn't come back. Would we all just be without thinking, oh, yeah, I don't know. Well, there's I think so they great something Davros so moments. great. There's so many great Davros moments, but there's never going to be a moment as good as that. No. No, yeah. I think... And, I mean, his story is told there, really, and it's just then extended artificially. Well, what is like he his like? Life. He's, just a, he's just a villain making more Daleks, and they're mm -hmm. trying to take over the universe. Yeah. And it's a, essentially a rewrite of the character. I mean, for me, there's there's a law of diminishing returns that sets in um, from this point on. I mean, for all that Terry Malloy and Julian Bleach and David Goodison are fantastic as Davros, um, they are not as good as Michael Wisher. Um, the character is not written as well as he is in this story. Um, you know, he's he goes full blown megalomaniac in in Destiny of the Daleks. It's you know, if we put Destiny of the Daleks on right now, you would be jarred with the the character that is presented yeah who's essentially agree. supposed to be exactly the same who's literally just been exterminated but has just frozen himself in time and then you know it's very jarring uh, it's not as jarring as i thought it would have really watched this but it is you know different um what also happens is then that you now have every dalek story is a more of a davros story mm. than a dalek one yeah. until the next and that year. was always yeah. the the um criticism through the through the um, late 70s and 80s yeah. 
so you might you might think, well, one one Davros story, okay. I think obviously the new series has done a lot better in just having those, you know, keeping Davros for a few special moments. Um, but even then, as soon as you get Davros, it's not a Dalek story anymore. It's a Davros story. The Daleks just become window dressing. Um, yeah. You know, we have other monsters which are like that. You know, the Yeti is the tool of the great intelligence, but those stories are told a lot better and we have the Yetis used a lot more effectively than what we do Daleks when there's Davros involved. So for me, if we just had Davros as this one-shot villain, you know, well, that's that's how the Daleks were created, and that's what happened in the end. They turned on their creator, and, you know, he... <sighs> Schadenfreude or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. not quite the word I'm looking for, but close enough... Um, then that would have been perfect, and then we could have told more Dalek stories um, without Davros. But... I think he probably would be, con- you know, he wouldn't be bettered. You know, he no. would be considered the ultimate Doctor Who villain. But I mean... The interesting thing is, I think, is that whenever Davros comes back, maybe not so much in Destiny, but in Resurrection and in say the stolen earth and journey's end that davros is the only villain that can really get under the doctor's skin yeah. and can really get a really visceral reaction out of the doctor so much so that peter davison's doctor goes to kill him because he's so i mean that's angry. in the hands of eric's award all right yeah exactly so. but, but it's it's a huge moment for that doctor and then you get the same in journey's end don't you where davros is the only person who could say you've turned your companions into an army look what you've done yeah. you're no different to me and it's those character moments that davros brings oh, i get that the temptation are really great because dalek dalek could be so incredibly banal yeah that mm-hmm. you've suddenly got a mouthpiece that is potentially very interesting i just think the they kind of they go down the direction of making him sort of a ranting villain yeah. half the time. And that's just not interesting. But you say that, but he's so superb in, rem- in remembrance of the Daleks. Oh, I love no. all of those yeah. scenes. I, I think that, the, again, that's, that's the trade-off then, isn't it? Because if if we don't have Davos coming back or we use him a bit sparingly, then we don't, don't have rice pudding. Um, we don't have... Um, don't have... Interesting stuff in Revelation, yeah, where he's charming. Oh my god, I believe that's what they call consumer resistance, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's a really really difficult one, isn't it? You know, yeah. Well, look, boys, we've got a a hard task ahead on the back of six episodes, only three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we should do nine, right? Okay, I'm gonna do it in the order that we're in Sai, me fraser all right so no pressure but you're first okay um i am going to go for the ending we didn't discuss the actual ending but i think the doctor's little speech is as important as davros's end and the davros and the doctor coming out of this with optimism after being in such an awful horrible world where there isn't any optimism is something good 
I am going to say the direction of David Maloney, which is a bit obvious, but like what an unenviable task he had. And he was given like the brief to make it more muscular than before. And he just fulfills that brilliantly. Like this, this is unforgettable television. This isn't just unforgettable Doctor Who. This is fantastic television. Uh, so David Maloney is my choice. Um, in a move that will surprise absolutely no one, I'm going to say neither. <laughs> <laughs> You're bloody obsessed, man, honestly. I am, honestly. It's, like I say, it's, it's I just, yeah, the character of Nida, just, you know, what he does, where he comes from, where he's heads at, you know, everything just fascinates us about him. But obviously, um, you know, the performance of Peter Miles as well is just superb of just, you know, that clip delivery. You know, like you've said, the, the fact that he very barely smiles unless people are dying or he's conning someone and you know he's just such a, a vicious capable villain um who you know if that was just him we might talk about them a lot more than davros but you know he works this beautiful relationship with davros he gets overshadowed a little bit and but he is there just pulling strings and you know being everything that you need him to be um and it's played beautifully i think you got to think about henchmen you know you were all over regan in ambassadors of death as well you like a morally ambiguous henchman oh as long as this mm, that night i wasn't quite suave is he but no not no. really no i can't imagine him on a dinner date Sorry? um dudley simpson oh. dudley simpson is uh he's at his peak here i think i mean, there are other scores that he will do that are hummable and beautiful, but I'm not sure he ever quite betters what he does here. This is perfect, absolutely perfect incidental music for Doctor Who. It's thrilling. It keeps the tension up. It ramps up the action. It ramps up scenes that might be lesser. So even the scene with the clams and Harry getting his foot in it has really dramatic music. He is at the peak of his powers and it's phenomenal and it's criminal that it doesn't exist. Yeah. I'd love to listen to it in its entirety. And um, yes, there we go. Dudley Simpson deserves, yeah, deserves more love than he ever gets. All I will say to that is um, what I say whenever we discuss Dudley Simpson on the podcast, which is go to Jess Jerkovic on YouTube. Because he has done. He has described, transcribed, yeah, transcribed quite a bit of, of Genesis of the Dalek. Yeah, he did, did the whole Dalek theme. I think yes. there's, there's whole minutes and minutes of yeah. all the Dalek action scenes. So the and bits that Joe was saying. Well, the stuff I love. Oh, it's re- right. as relentless yeah. as the... Um, as the action on the screen so but there's there's a little bit in there for for my man nada as well there is he gets his own yeah yeah i'm gonna say the daleks themselves which are used very sparingly and are more effective for it this story had to get the daleks right because it's a very important story it's the genesis of the daleks and i i I just think they're shot incredibly well they're written incredibly well and like come the last episode they're out in force and it's what you want and you've been waiting a long time for it i just think i just think they're very they're genuinely scary in this 
in a way that I don't usually find the dogs scary. Um, Terry Nation. Oh. Um, hacking away at life. Actually, Terry, that's not really good enough. Can you do something different for us? Okay, yeah, we'll go. Boom! Genesis of the Daleks. You know, it's 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 a really good example of how good a writer he can be when you want him to be. Um, you know, the the story, the creation of Davros, the the whole backstory of the Thals and the Khalids and you know what happens and how Davros betrays them and you know it's a tragedy, isn't it? And it's just a, a, a fantastic story, really well told and really well written. Um, and like I say, he doesn't get enough credit for what he can actually do, what he has done, you know, even when he is hacking it, you know, we need to appreciate that he's a very good hack. Um, mm -hmm. You know, again, I'll say look at Blake 7, you know, wrote the entire series by himself, um, hacked it out, but did it really, really well with a lot of style, with a lot of variety in here. He just absolutely proves, you know, when, when he's on his game, when you push him, when you want him to be, he's a fantastic writer. Okay, well, I mean, it's obvious, really, isn't it? It's Davros, you know, because it's not just Michael Wisher, it's everything. It's the design choice is perfect. They got the base of the Dalek with a wizened old man at, at the top. The mask by John Friedlander is just absolutely incredible piece of design it's just so perfect it's the fact that kids can draw half a dalek with a man stuck in the top into to whatever degree it's the fact that he's only got one arm and michael wisher plays it brilliantly and michael wisher creates davros and he makes him still and he makes him quiet at the right times but he can also do the ranting and it's the switch between the two and Every scene with Davros is electrifying because you want to see what he's going to do next. And you want to see him sat there tapping his fingers because you know, even though you can't read the face in the mask, you know that there's something ticking inside him the whole time and that he's scheming and he's cleverer than everyone else on this whole world other than the Doctor. And he's finally met someone who can match him. And it's fascinating. He, he's, I, we, as you've heard, we have spent sort of five episodes of this talking about Davros because it all comes back to that character. <laughs> it's a phenomenal creation. It's one of the best things in Doctor Who to ever come out of Doctor Who. And it's come out of Doctor Who's arch enemies again. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, oh, yeah, I could go on for hours as I have already because it it's just magic and everything coming together at the right time all the right decisions have been made and it works wow. so there you go come <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on beat that <laughs> well i'm not gonna try and beat it my mind slightly contradicts phrases unfortunately and that's robert holmes and i'm <laughs> perfectly convinced that 70 80 percent of the dialogue of this story has been rewritten polished and sharpened up by Robert Holmes. The last two stories that Terry Nation churned out were Planet of the Daleks and Death to the Daleks. And there ain't one bit of quotable dialogue in either of those stories. And now you're Robert telling Holmes me... Holmes worked on Death to the Daleks. Well, he's letting him get away with it there. <laughs> and, and, now and, he's, and now he's literally banging out like 
poetic, smart, effortlessly memorable diet. I just don't buy it. I think there's a lot of Terry Nation in this. Don't get me wrong. But I think Robert Holmes is like the master craftsman of Doctor Who dialogue. And this is some of the best dialogue in Doctor Who ever. And I don't think that's come from Terry Nation. So I think Robert Holmes has given this a top to toe polish. I'm not saying rewrite, but polish. Uh, and the dialogue throughout is exceptionally good. Um, the only thing I can say to that is, you know, somewhere in this podcast, there are 10,000 Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So what I'm going to pick is um, Harry Sullivan and Sarah Jane Smith. Um, for this you know the two companions I think you know we've discussed the dynamic and how they work um, in you know the, the first few episodes um, I don't think we've really probably talked enough about Liz Sladen, um and how magnificent she is and, and everything that she does but especially this um, Ian Martin again doesn't really get much to do as Harry but what he does is, is exceptionally good as well um, but I just love these two as the companions, I love Sarah pointing, you know, being the, the doctor's sort of conscience, as it were. You look at that scene at the start of episode six where, you know, do I have the right? And she's the one that's saying, well, yes, you know, blow the bloody darlings up, mate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's pushing them and pushing them, pushing them. Harry's there as the sort of dependable one, the, um, you know, the, the extra pair of hands, as it were, but they're just, there's just something about them that just works. Um, you know, I miss Harry when he's not there. I love, you know, the Doctor and, and Sarah Jane, but I miss Harry when he's not around to um, even just being doing the comedy stuff, of which probably might not have been comedy at the time, but it's certainly dated now with the old girl and stiff upper lip and, and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I just, I just love this TARDIS team together. Well, boys, we embarked on a hell of a story there. I hope we've done it justice. I think we've done it justice. Um, where the hell are we team at into next? <laughs> Cardiff. Nova Beacon. <laughs> <laughs> or possibly Scarrow again. <laughs> possibly. Um, so I'm going to put a poll out to uh, Twitter, uh, naming... <laughs> The Seeds of Death, Boomtown, and now The Magician's Apprentice and The Witch. And we'll do Australia. something else entirely. And we'll probably do none of them at all. But I'm going to put it out there. Mm -hmm. um, thank you very much for, uh, you know, taking on this all-conquering classic. I couldn't have done it without the two of you. And I couldn't have done it without the two of you either. No, and I could. Well, I could have done it, but it you could have done it. You laughed before I. I paid you all both for compliments. Typical. Go go on, Ed. Oh, I said I could have done it without you, but it wouldn't have been as good. Ah. Oh. Yeah, sure, it would have been. <laughs> <laughs>